This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. 300-some podcast episodes um, for the Business Storytelling Podcast and others, of course, as well. But I've also done, I don't know, hundreds of live streams. And here's the thing. I don't even feel like a live streamer. I don't even feel like a podcaster. I'm just playing one on the internet. I'm not outgoing. When I'm done with this, you know what I do? I go upstairs. I lie on the couch. Don't talk to me, kids. I need some quiet. So I, I don't want to say I feel like an imposter, but sometimes we want to come over here um, at, at his book on Amazon. It is launching. It's coming out March 23rd, um, and you can pre-order that already. Hopefully, um, you'll consider that the surprising gift of doubt. And today's guest, we'll get him out of the green room here. Mark Pittman ran across him, I believe, on Twitter. He can remind us how we know each other. It's so hard to keep track, honestly, anymore. But a great connection, great thought leader out there. Let's get him out of the green room here. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me here. Really appreciate you making the time bright and early as well. Of course, you're, it's uh, a little better than mine. Yeah, but it's pandemic time at time of this recording. So it's still like, oh, wow, I had to get up almost like I had to get a, go to a commute or something for, for a chamber event. <laughs> yeah, for a chamber wow. event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind, of, that's kind of funny. And get dressed up and, um, you know, look good for the camera. So I have really all my ties in the corner and clean shirts in the corner of my office now. Never had that before the pandemic. <laughs> you just go over and put them on when you need them, I take it. And, oh, so, this is a video call. Okay, great. <laughs> well, we, we just started, so I'm glad you figured it out. But you look great. Yeah. You look great. I hope my hair is, is good as well. Oh, I um, love your, yeah, your hairstylist. We'll have to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's the best I can do. So, Mark, let's talk about why do we even have the imposter syndrome out there? What's going on? Why is why are people having so much doubt? And, and I, I have it too. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty anxious yeah. when it comes to those things. Well, I love what you said about the um, about just being you've done this so much and you yet don't see yourself as this. Um, and I think that's one of the things that happens where we are the at least the leaders I like to work with are people that that are honest about themselves they have humility and um, they don't buy their own press. Um, I think there's a lot of danger that happens when leaders start buying their own press. And but be, the and I'll kind of a bad side of that is the imposter syndrome aspect of the doubt. We feel the doubt and we know that leaders don't have doubt. We've seen that. We've seen that leaders are confident and full of vision and telling a better future and moving forward. And um, So that isn't what we feel. So that must be we've, we're not that. We're something else. Uh, we are growing to be that. Um, and that's for, and, and that's why I call the surprising gift of doubt because I think as you may have experienced too, doubt is pretty common. That's a common human condition and it doesn't necessarily mean we're broken. It can actually mean we're on the verge of greatness. Oh, and and I certainly would like to be on the verge of greatness, but there is, you know, I mean, I, mean, I doubt everything. 
all the time. Is this working? Is that working? Uh, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? But I think the one thing I've learned, and I don't know if you address this in your book, it hasn't even come out yet. So, um, but you know, I, um, um, I put the whole fear of perfectionism kind of aside. So for example, I just started my fourth book. And, and here's the thing. I'm just putting it together. I'm just writing it. And I'm, I'm at like 50 pages, right, after just a few days because I already have all this content. I'm not going after perfectionism. I'm going after, do I have enough valuable content to put a book together on this topic? And if I don't, how much more do I have to write? So it's more like, uh, you know, it doesn't feel, I'm not putting as much pressure on me. Now, mm. it's easier said than done when it's just me, right? And if I'm not part of a team, for example, um, but that's one way I get around it. What are some other tips and tricks for people? Well, to for if, writing a book is a great example because there's that. I think that brings out anything where we put ourselves on center stage. Um, you know, business leaders, professional speakers, uh, trainers, managers, where uh, th that brings out all the doubt within us. And I know for me myself, I, this is my eighth book, and every time it's sort of who am I to be writing this book? There's so many other great books. There's so much other great material. Um, but I, one of the things that helps overcome it is when you do it and other people start quoting your stuff and you realize that your voice has a different spin. There's a different way of a perspective that you do the work that helps them find and access all the great stuff that they've had before, uh, that you've built on and that you're, that you're sometimes just processing and sharing with people, not even adding to necessarily, but your, your own perspective uh, is incredibly helpful for others to hear what you've learned and what you're you're trying to the message you're trying to get across the story you're trying to tell yeah absolutely and what's interesting is i mean you know i'll just kind of go do it but again at some point i do hit that self-doubt why is it so common that people i mean is it worry is it i mean there was a thing i saw the other day for doing the COVID pandemic um the dentists are reporting now i can't think of it people are clenching their their jaws oh, more yeah. You know what I mean? Or something yeah. like that. Um, so why is it so common? Are we just a bunch of warriors? Well, I think the way I call it is the, the leader's journey. So if you had a four quadrant analysis sort of thing, um, you have confidence at the top, unsure and unsure at the bottom. And then you have your external cues and you have your internal cues. And most of us start our life journey, our leadership journey uh, on the one side, not knowing there's a full map. So we start highly confident. People tell us, go do this. They believe in us. So we have uh, highly confident and we're looking at our, our external cues. We're looking to people. We're trying to copy people. We're trying to do what we've seen done. It worked for them. It worked for the parents or teachers or boss or the person on TV or the other person that we, we admire. And so we, we think it'll work for us too. And I, I, don't, I grew up listening to motivational speakers. And one of the things that I loved hearing them say was, if you think you're a leader, and you turn around and there's no one behind you, you're just out for a walk. And that takes a hit on your confidence and it starts to go down. Um, and so you start doubting yourself and you realize, oh, the stuff that worked for Christoph isn't working for me exactly. And wh what's broken? So we start looking for what's broken. Uh, but we've been trained through school, through a lot of our faith communities, that all the answers are out there. They're outside of us. So we look for podcasts, web, uh, webinars, we look for books, we look for seminars, we look for the systems that will fix what's broken within us. Uh, and the uh, have you read the book Getting Things Done? 
I don't remember David Allen. That. A great book, and if you read the title, it's it, this is typical of all books, and it's still it's kind of awkward to be saying or meta to be saying I've written a book that is that addresses this <laughs> because um, the problem with a lot of books is that they'll have people on it that endorse it that say it's an amazing system and it worked for them and it changed them. For me, the experience was with getting things done. One of the things that uh, David Allen is really big on is that you can have peace of mind if you get everything out of your head, put it into lists, put your lists and then your next action for each project, put those all into files and folders and have a regular review time where you're checking in on everything. And you can have this just wonderful, almost blissful existence because it's not in your head anymore and the stress isn't there. Well, if you try that, I'd love the lists. I love the next action step. I found that to be very helpful. I don't follow up on my lists as structured as I am. I don't go back into the file cabinet. If you were to see the desk around this little camera, it is not a, uh, doesn't look orderly. It's orderly to me. I know where everything is, but it's that the rest of the system fell apart. And what happens for a lot of us is we start thinking, well, it worked for all those other people. We must be really broken. And so it just kind of, most of us kind of just get stuck in that loop of, looking for what's broken, finding, thinking we found the answer, and then circling back around to finding that we're broken in another area. And we're looking for, you know, what is a time management tool? What's the goal setting tactic? What's the influence thing? So uh, that's why the doubt is so problematic for a lot of us, because we're taught to look externally, which is good. There are a lot of good external things, but we don't go the next step, which is listening to actually listening to the questions. They, they have a lot to tell us. Well, and so, so many things to unpack there, quite frankly. First of all, when we talk about the external thing, it's interesting, too, because, yes, I do the same thing. And, and I've actually written about this when, when it comes to, like, social media conferences. Um, most talks on social media conferences are such a waste of time, quite frankly, because, yes, they did this one thing and it worked. But they did it, like, 18 months ago. Things change all the time. I mean, now I'm playing around around the show later this week with Mitch Jackson uh, talking about Clubhouse. I don't know. Should I use Clubhouse? Right now, it's hard to kind of integrate it, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm disregarding it. Um, but external, and, you, you know, we listen to it. But the other problem is, how do I know they all have the same goal? I'm My goal is to learn all this stuff, to learn how to live stream, to learn how to do this, to learn how to do that, to, to, to do the same thing. How do I know anybody who's giving me external feedback has that trustworthy? Yeah. Well, I laugh because I used to teach social media in a university and grad school thing and for nonprofits in particular, because back in 1999, when I started blogging, I also did uh, raise $100,000 on email for the school to finish off a $7 million campaign. So I wrote a guide, the $100,000 you know, a guide to email solicitation. Um, and as I kept giving that as my free, you know, free lead magnet, whatever, uh, over the years, people started emailing me back saying, you understand that I'm helpful now, it'll actually harm people. You should really change that. So I did. It's now 21 ways for board members to engage in their nonprofit fundraising. But that's what the, one of the values of quadrant one, which is the leading, copying other people, is you learn who's trustworthy. Because a lot of people aren't don't have your best interests at heart. Um, a lot of people aren't 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 out there to impo positively impact the world. They have another motive or they have another agenda. Uh, but you also learn who's 
who is trustworthy. And you also, what I love about quadrant two, the experiment quadrant, is where you start experimenting with other things and you learn how you learn. Are you an auditory learner? Is reading, listening to books better for you or listening to, to lectures? is the way you take in information. Um, are you better kinesthetically? Um, I don't know if about you, but I like to walk on a treadmill and read a book. Um, there's something about that that locks in the ideas for me. Um, I used to do that at college too. I'd walk down through the quad with my notes um, and and for whatever reason, I didn't trip, which was a miracle, I'm sure. <laughs> but those, I think those are some of the things that are really helpful about the externals. Um, unfortunately, the what we're we're if we're just stay there we never get into the fullness of who we are which is our own bent our own in our own take on the world that we were talking about with writing a book that um, when we start looking at the stories we tell ourselves and the way we're hardwired and the ways the way that we set goals which is different there's a million different goal setting systems that can be helpful but put, pulling them together and making our own it. It, it's almost like we're making our own custom suit. We could go and buy a suit off the rack and put it on and it may fit kind of, or we can make it go to a tailor and have actually our measurements taken. And uh, if you've ever had that, that, the thrill of that experience, and I know that's the height of privilege, but wow, it is amazing to have a suit that is made just for you. Um, and that's what we get to do when we move into the third quadrant, quadrant three leadership, which is where we start listening to who we are, what are our doubts, what are our beliefs, what are our core convictions, what are the values that we really, we value. A lot of times we're taking other people's values unquestioningly. We don't even realize that we don't agree with them or they're causing stress in our lives because we're trying to live up to values that we don't really care about. Um, and that's where we get to really explore in quadrant three. Yeah. And the other thing I've learned as well over the years is what I'm motivated by. So for example, I am not motivated by fear at all. Now, I, you know, in a life uh, you know, something happens to right. my life, I guess that's different. But in a business sense, I'm very much not uh, motivated by fear. Like if you don't do this, you get whatever. Like I'm motivated by learning. I'm motivated by moving forward together. I'm motivated by, you know, trying the different things to to to, to make things happen. And one HR executive actually said to me, she, how did she put it? Something about, um, you want to be in in control, even when you're not in control, or or you know, like informal control, I guess. Like I'm controlling how I do it, um, you know. But here's the goal: let's reach the goal together, right? Like if I'm playing football, don't mm. tell me exactly how to block them. Just tell me go block them, right? Let's figure yeah. it out. Whether I do a shoulder block now, I'm dating myself, or you know, I use the the 2020 um, methodology. Of course, I'm I'm, I'm playing football in years. You know, we're all getting up there. Funny you talk about suits. I mean, I haven't. I was going to wear a pair of jeans today, Mark, for the show, and then I thought, why do I have to wear a pair of jeans? <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> um, COVID. Uh, no, no, I'm dressed. Yeah, I'm, no, no worries. But um, you know, COVID times are are different. So they sure about, are, <laughs> right? So talk about COVID times, though. I mean, we're all at home, or many of us are at home. Uh, I haven't left this place. I mean, I you know, like somebody said the other day. They ran or whatever it was. They, they they run forty kilometers in a week, and I and all I could think of is I don't even drive forty kilometers a week. Yeah. You know, I, I'm at home, and so um, as Did, we are, do you get your Google Map? Do you get a Google Map year in review? My Google Map on my what? So last week I got my Google Map year in review, and oh. it was uh, January and February. Typical speaker out there 
going different places. We were in New York City, we were in Seattle. And then March on, it was all in my hometown with an excursion to a town one hour away. <laughs> it was so, it was, I, it was, it really was a good snapshot of, of the time we live in right now, at least for those of us who are trying to shelter at home. Yeah. So, so how do I, so I usually, when I'm out doing anything, I use Apple Maps because, you know, okay. I have Apple Watch, which, you know, um, vibrates when I have to turn and whatever. How do I get a Google Maps re- year in review? Oh, I don't work? know. It's 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 the uh, the height of creepiness of knowing, realizing they really are tracking my phone, which I know in some level, but then to see that they've tracked where I, my phone has been. Um, so I don't know. I got it. I, I use G Suite and a lot of Google stuff and my watch right. is a Google watch. So um, I've, I've got, you know, my Android phone. So they sent it to me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it, maybe it, you're protected from that particular giant source. <laughs> well, it, it, just somebody else is tracking me. But it's interesting the tracking because I just saw this morning actually there was a one of the the, the rioters um, at the Capitol was actually charged because the FBI tracked uh, confirmed his his uh, phone data and said, "Yep, you were in the Capitol." It's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I would love I want to get back to what you said about motivation, not being motivated by fear. I think that's really key. Have you have you seen anything about uh, or heard of the Enneagram? Hmm. Okay, so there's this. Uh, there are three different types of hardwiring. Most of us look at the disc hardwiring or the behavioral, oh, yeah. um, external, internal. Uh, I mean, extrovert, introvert, uh, task centered, people centered. And um, that is only one type of hardwiring. That's how you react. Uh, there's also the hardwiring that is how you uh, cognitively can process, how quickly you process and how you conceptualize things. Uh, I use a, an assessment called the Highlands Ability Battery for that. But the third level is the Enneagram. And uh, it, for me, that's the, the tool I found to be most helpful over the decades. Um, and that talks about motivations. Um, it goes into, and why I love the name of your podcast is it actually goes into the stories there. It's an ancient, it, it appears to be an ancient um, wisdom tradition of nine different types of stories that people orient themselves around. Um, and so there are some people that are motivated by fear, not necessarily positively motivated, but there are three of the nine types have fear at their core. Um, and they respond to them in different ways. But what I love about the the motivation aspect, and, and as you're exploring quadrant three, and as doubt, you listen to the invitation of doubt to explore why am I reacting differently or responding differently, is that you can find that even though you act the same way, you may have three people that act goal-driven, determined, go-getters. They're out there getting stuff done. They're accomplishing. They're fast-paced. And they may be doing it for all three different reasons. One may be doing it because they want to look successful and they want to fit into the group. Another person may be doing it because they're just bored with mundane stuff. They want to always try new things. And a third person might be doing it to actually protect her, herself and her space from being bullied. Um, so three different motivations where you actually need to nuance and speak three different ways to those people so that they don't just... Uh, one thing that you said to one person wouldn't actually motivate them in the way it would motivate another. And so that's why I love learning the, the just all the different complexities that we have with human humanity and the different ways, different flavors that we are, the different ways we see the world and experience it. It's yeah, it's very interesting. And so Mark, I want to get your feedback. So see how I changed my, my setup. What do you think? What, is it too much? I, I, well, I, it depends on what I'm going for. <laughs> What's your what's your end goal? I, I love the the tech, the ring light. You know, I love seeing it all there. It's great. I I, I love the stand too. I'm looking. I have to 
catch offline, see if that's on your Amazon list, because I'd like to see oh, that for my of iPad. Course, of course it's on my Amazon list because everything is on my Amazon <laughs> list. But yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link. I don't know if I'll, I mean, the desk is a little messy, but I don't know. I think I kind of like it better. Just be, but anyway, I like to ask people because see what you know, see what their thoughts are. So it's interesting to me when you talk about the whole uh, motivations, and it, mm. I think it's so. First of all, I think people need to own motivations. They need to own their success. They need to own what they're doing. Because if I don't own it, honestly, who's going to own it? But what's interesting right. uh, about that is we have. Um, you know, we have uh, some companies who say, well, a, a manager's job is to motivate people. And, and maybe it is and maybe it isn't. But how can they win if they don't even know what motivates me? That's where one of the privileges I got last spring was to take an entire senior team. Uh, one of the things I did last, one of the thrills that I got to do last and this thing was work with a senior team from uh, I got to train a whole whole staff on these the language of quadrant three leadership and and the surprising gift of that and then coach the senior team to help see the nuances in their their staff so that they were actually talking differently and um, being able to not necessarily see it's different and in, in a, for a manager there's I mean or for an employee you still got to do the job. That's the thing with well, a lot of the hardwiring things is it's not a label to confine yourself or to get out of doing work. It's to help you feel like how you can adjust the environment around you or how you need to adjust to the environment. Come into part of, and this could be just me, all my gray hair showing, um, but saying, you know, you, you, there's a job you were hired to do. You have a responsibility to do it. Um, the manager, it can help make that nuanced some, we're all, but we're all going to have to do things that we don't want to do. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think the manager just learning some of these skills can be really helpful in helping people, uh, influence the way I did it at a, at a conference. I told, if you Googled the, or, or on YouTube, uh, uh, searched the nine types of influence. I talk about nine different stories you can use to get the same objective across, but speak in the, the dialect to help shape your storytelling so that you're telling it in ways that are, are more in line with the, the plots or the, the life stories that people are trying to live out of. So is there a place for some doubt though? I mean, is it helpful to have some doubt and some, I don't know, maybe not the imposter syndrome, but, but do you know what I mean? Like what's the, well, my friend Denise, my friend Denise Jacobs, who wrote uh, quieting, quieting the inner critic. She says that um, only only non-imposters get imposter syndrome. If you get imposter syndrome, that means you're not one. <laughs> you're not an imposter, which I love. She says it much better than I do. I think I butchered it. Um, I think that is a gift. I think it calls us back to um, the what's core different about us, what's core different about our organization. Um, the fact that something isn't working for us in the right way, it's an invitation to explore maybe we do things differently. Maybe we're not uh, for the companies that became B Corps. Maybe we weren't in it just for shareholder value. Maybe we're in it to also better our community and to protect our, our employees. Um, and that can add your spin. And that can also uh, reinforce the stories you tell yourself internally as a person or internally with your team as you're going through really tumultuous times. You can say, well, these are the things that we hold true. Uh, these are the things that we're not going to compromise on. And I think that helps open up those conversations. Uh, it's scary as a leader, 
because you can't be vulnerable. You, you have to be vulnerable with people you can trust um, because not everybody's trustworthy. As you learn in quadrant one, some people are really out to get you. Um, and some people just have built up a story in their own lives that management is, is cheating. They're always deceitful. They're always trying to squeeze you. Um, and so you can't management can't, or leadership can't be trusted. Um, so you have to be shrewd with how you do work this into your, with your staff and your team. But I think there's a tremendous amount that doubt can unlock in a good way uh, through this exploration. Yeah, it, it's certainly an interesting journey to figure out. And, and um, especially, you know, as people are moving around, companies are facing some tough times here during COVID and, 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 and whatnot. Uh, what's interesting, a couple other things. You mentioned the file cabinet. Uh, I agree. I don't put, you know, I don't, I don't ever go back to my file cabinet. By the way, I don't have a single drawer, Mark, in my office. So you can wow. see part of my office. I do have an office treadmill that, you know, so I do, it's right over here. I do walk on that um, on some meetings. I don't like to read books on it, um, but um, I do definitely walk on it when I'm not necessarily speaking much. Um, yeah. But there is not a single drawer in here. I barely have any paper. I just have some papers. I wrote down some notes. Um, but when it comes to putting things on a list, I mean, even with articles, you know, I'll, I'll put them in the drafts. I'll never write them ever, never. You know, what I have to do is um, every Saturday morning, I got a couple hours put, put aside and saying, you know, update a blog post or or file a new one or whatever. And that's how I get it done because I have to block off the time. Um, yep. So that, that's how I do it. I don't know. I do too. One of my one of the things that I learned from my process and getting things done and what didn't work for me was that I love the to-do list and I love the next action item. What is the next thing that I need to do to uh, accomplish that goal? I think that was really helpful uh, in that book. But for me, task lists uh, give me great great joy to complete to to completely write out and then I'll put them away and forget them. So I also schedule my tasks on the calendar. It's amazing how much easier it is to. After a few months, you start realizing how much time things actually take. You might put a half hour for a blog post uh, originally if you're starting out, but you know it actually takes a couple hours. And probably for me, 90 minutes of that is often looking for the right image to go with the blog post. But um, that I like to schedule my tasks as well. I don't find task lists to be incredibly helpful. Um, although I don't know, with my iPad, I have this app called Notability. So now I have one long sheet of like 20 plus pages. That's all my the times I do write to-dos to for the day to help me focus. Um, and I have yet to go back and harvest them <laughs> to see what are the to-dos that I haven't done yet. But mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's there for me when, I, when I'm ready for that, when I'm ready to have that conversation with it. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, um, I think a good rule of thumb, honestly, is estimate how much time you think it'll take you and then double that time and then put that in your calendar. That's, yeah. that's what I do. And the other thing too, what's interesting is, um, there are some articles I can finish in 90 minutes. So I'll give you an example. My fourth book, which will be on live streaming and podcasting. Last Thanks. night I worked I worked on um, some content I already had. And just by taking that content and putting it in an order to get started, I'm already at 50 pages, you know. And that took me like a couple hours. So in the in the old days, had you said, how long does it take you to write 50 pages for a book? It's not two hours. But of course, I wrote those that content already a while ago and, and my articles are getting longer and longer too, just because, you know, I want to go in depth. And so I think my, my average word count this year so far, is like 20,000 words total. And I think the average word counts like 1800 words. So um, nice. if that's new content, that takes me a little bit. So my question for you is, 
in COVID, especially like I'm in my home. In fact, while you were just talking, I had to go on mute. I had to argue with my my six year old who came down here and was giving me a um, filibuster on on how she's going to go open mom's presence today, right now, right now, even though she can see <laughs> I'm, I'm live. Um, you know, but I'm at home. We're at home. It's harder and harder to just shut things down, to just think, to just go to bed, right? Like my iPhone is by my bed. That's my alarm clock. How do we get into that mindset that we can just shut things off and, you know, focus? I mean, how it, how, how do we do it? Is that even necessary? Oh, I think it's incredibly necessary. And yesterday I was our heat went out yesterday in our house and which is also my home office. Uh, and I, I was th- one, wishing in a way that if we had to be cold, we might as well have no power because there's an amazing stillness. And I don't wish that on anyone, but I'm, I know that when the times we've lost power, um, there's an amazing stillness. And I, I, I don't have any scientific proof to, you know, I'm not a scientist. I haven't played one on TV, but um, the router going off, I think um, there's a stillness that happens when the power's out. Um, so I think part of it is remembering to, I have found centering prayer or mindfulness with like, uh, I think there's, it could be space on the, the I, I use the, you know, Shine is one app that's really good with this. I've been told I use Headspace. Um, but when the pandemic hit, I knew that fear was one of those things that really doesn't help me move, make uh, good choices moving forward. So I started going back into some 10, 15, 20 minutes of mindfulness, at least once a day a few days a week. And I have found that that has allowed me to be a little bit better with my family. Um, I also have reminded myself that um, when I'm on stage in an office or in a converse, in a, at a conference, I smile and I remember to present myself well, but when I'm safe at home, I don't. And so uh, I'm trying to remind, I have different cues that I try to remind myself, uh, like a sign on my office saying, these are the favorite people in my life when I, when I leave, um, to remind myself, I think it takes a lot more prompting and reminding that these are the people I chose to be with. These are the people that I, I chose uh, to live my life with and for, uh, and they need to, I want them to know that not just with my words, because they hear other people say, I say it, but because I live that out in my life. And I think that under a pandemic stress and on top of that, if we were just that would have been our house that would have been one thing but the you know the stress of a pandemic that's killing people every seven seconds in the united states um that is even worse (laughs) so um i think we're going to mess it up and learning to learning to say i'm sorry is a big part of it too and mean it not just say i'm sorry you felt that way you know one of those stupid apologies (laughs) oh don't get me started i'm sorry you felt that way that is the most passive aggressive for me, not for yourself. So what's interesting, Carlos Hidalgo was on the show and he talked about that work-life, uh, not work-life balance, work-life boundaries. And he has a book on that topic too. It might still be in the bottom if you're watching on Amazon Live um, in, in the, in the, if you scroll over. Um, and I found that too. You just got to step away. You got to turn things off. It's harder and harder. The other thing I found is I love sports. And you know what? Uh. Like is on hockey now the hockey season is on baseball is going to start here in, in um i don't know three months i guess and and phone on watch the game you know and the other thing i found is my whole family sits there i mean last season um everybody was watching the yankees and i'm like how come everybody likes the yankees all of a sudden and i think partially they were just kind of hanging out you know what i mean but it was like oh yeah. who, 
how come this player like that's so interesting because for our family it would be a jane austen movie if sense and sensibility or pride and prejudice the kids come down (laughs) uh we have two daughters in the house one son that's away at college um and if we put on uh other shows they go to their rooms but if we put on a uh, for me, one of the things that an ancient uh, pattern that I have found to be helpful is the concept of Sabbath. And to uh, my Jewish friends, I know this is not Sabbath that I'm practicing, but I have a 24-hour period, and I have since college, where I don't do work-related activity. And it's usually mid-Sunday, Saturday afternoon to mid-Sunday afternoon, so it's 24 hours. Um, I The release of – I still am on tech. I'm still on social, but I'm not doing it for an income-related reason. That, and as a self-employed individual, that's how I differ, differentiate work from life, because I uh, I li- I've striven stro- I've striven strove I've worked to create a life that is in sync with my work. Um, that we work in life isn't a balance; it's a tension. It's a it's a glorious adventure. Our family is involved in my work, and my work I'm trying to be involved, stay involved in my family, and um, so. The income part is the part that's the release for me. Giving myself permission to not think about income for a 24-hour period is remarkably um, freeing because when those thoughts and the fear come in, oh, I'm not allowed to think about that. That's off limits right now. Uh, the other thing for me is I love self-help and non nonfiction books, but I get great refreshment and enjoyment from fiction. So, uh, But I would never give myself permission until I wrote it as a task. When I wrote it as a goal to read a certain number of fiction books a year, all of a sudden I had permission to read fiction and I've been getting lost in long, during the pandemic, I've been enjoying N.K. Jemison's uh, Inheritance Trilogy. Um, there's all sorts of other book series that I've just been, had the, the kind of the, the freedom to actually read through, uh, which intriguingly, Christoph, I would have had in the transitions that we don't have anymore. So when we used to travel to things, I would have listened to a book on audiobook or read it in an airplane. Um, when we, you know, there's there's a lot of transitions. One of my friends uh, in, in Boston reminded me that we don't have transitions anymore. After this, we're just going to go to our next thing. Um, I have a talk in, in a few minutes. And after that talk, I will go on to another Zoom call or something instead of hearing back from people and being able to uh, interact with people and just kind of being able to transition to another time. For many of us that are able to work from home, we're in a time of uh, actually increased stress because of there's not transitions. There's no water cooler to talk to. And I think that's one of the reasons why things like Clubhouse are gaining some popularity because we don't have to be camera ready and, and we can give ourselves permission to just listen. We, we can't chat. We can't interact in any other way, but listen unless we're on stage and then we're talking. And of course, what whatever the definition of camera ready is, it's debatable anyways, right? I mean, uh, it, it kind of changes. So a couple of quotes <laughs> I really love, Mark. If you think you're a leader and you turn around, there's nobody behind you. You're just out on a walk. That's that's fantastic. And then if you think you have the imposter syndrome, um, you probably don't, right? Only only uh, imposters um, don't have it, right? Did I say that correctly? I think so. Denise Jacobs is the one. That I'll, I'll look for the quote from her. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Fantastic. You can connect with Mark at concordleadershipgroup.com. Um, and the, the new book is coming out, The Surprising Gift of Doubt, March 23rd. We do have the link in the show notes, and it's also the featured item over there on Amazon Live. Mark, it was my pleasure to have you on the show. Really appreciate you making the time bright and early. Uh, I can literally see the sun coming out outside my office window here. It's getting lighter and lighter here, too. <laughs> Thanks so much, Christoph.
You bet. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My going live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E, C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy, but of course you can order on amazon.com.